Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to be starting Luke chapter 3. And as so often as he does, Luke is, is Luke chapter three is just filled with so many details, and 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 it just amazes me how you know when we went through the book of Acts, and if you uh, haven't ever studied the book of Acts, or if you have not checked out uh, the the podcast that covers the book of Acts, it, it's it's a lot of podcasts because I go into a lot of detail or try to uh, in these Bible studies and and. Luke just gives so many details through the book, throughout the book of Acts, and he continues with those details here in his gospel, and it just it, it, it just floors me how how detailed Luke is because he was a doctor, and 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 a doctor being full of details and giving details and and being very studious and accurate with their accounts and in, in, in their um, record keepings, if you will. Luke just just gives detail after detail, fact after fact, and and it floors me how people just refuse to to listen. They they don't pay attention or they don't want to hear that these facts and these because de- you can't argue facts. Facts are facts, and Luke just throws out fact after fact, and and how people just continue to reject. The Bible, they continue to reject it as God's word because, you know, what it boils down to is we don't want to hear it. We don't want to believe it because if the, the minute that we decide that, that the Bible is true, that the Bible is real, and, and that it tells us about God, that it tells us about Jesus, then we're held accountable for our actions. And we as people, we don't want to be held accountable. We want to live the way we want to live. We want to do the things that we do. And, and we just want to do whatever we please without having to answer to anybody. But the fact is, God still exists. Jesus is the Messiah. Luke tells us all about Jesus being the Messiah. And he gives us facts and facts and facts that people have gone back and tried to disprove Luke and his writings. And they couldn't do it. And in fact, when they tried to disprove Luke and his writings, what they found out was that Luke was correct in everything that he said and his facts proved out to to be exactly that facts proven facts and they became believers themselves and and here in Luke chapter 3 Luke starts off just giving us all these details he gives us uh, specific names of rulers where they ruled and when they ruled and which gives us a time frame then of when John the baptizer kicks off his ministry Uh, Luke mentions that uh, it was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, who was a Roman emperor. Well, Tiberius Caesar Augustus was the second Roman emperor, reigning from A.D. 14 to A.D. 37. He mentions Pontius Pilate, who was the governor over Judea. Well, Pontius Pilate was the fifth governor of the Roman province of Judea, serving under the emperor Tiberius from the year 2627 to 3637 AD. Then Luke mentions Herod Antipas, who was the ruler over Galilee, and his reign was 4 BCE to 39 CE. And his brother Philip was ruler over 
Iteria and Triconitus. You know, I'm going to butcher these names of these places. That's just the way it is. But uh, uh, and that's who Luke mentions as ruler uh, was uh, Philip, and he ruled over the northeast part of his father's kingdom from 4 BCE until his death in 34 BCE or CE. And then he Luke mentions Lysanias, who was ruler over Abilene. Now this is what's pretty cool. Two inscriptions have been ascribed to Lysanias, and one is a temple inscription found at Abila, named Lysanias, as the tetrarch of the locality. The temple inscription reads, For the salvation of the Augustus, lords, and of all their household, Nymphaeus, freedman of Eagle, and Lysanias, tetrarch, established this street and other things. So there's actually been an inscription found, I believe there's been two found, uh, that proves that Lysanias existed and that he was uh, the ruler over Abilene. Because this inscription specifically says that, this, that, that he established this street. So evidently that plaque was found on, on a street or near a street saying that Lysanias, the tetrarch, he, the ruler who, over Abilene, established that street so it, it just it just continues to prove what luke wrote over two thousand years ago he mentions annas and caiaphas were the high priests caiaphas was the son-in-law of annas by marriage to his daughter and ruled longer than any high priest in the new testament times and according to josephus who was a historian caiaphas was appointed in ad 18 by the roman prefect valerius gratus who preceded Pontius Pilate. And, and, and so what I just don't understand, I guess, why people continue to question God's word, why they just don't want to uh, receive that all of these facts are exactly what they are. They're facts. They have been proven over and over and over again. 2,000 years later even, people have to try to disprove the Bible, and yet... The facts just keep coming out. There's things all the time that's being discovered over in the Middle East that just continues uh, to prove that God's Word is exactly what it is. It's God's Word. God breathed. He inspired. He, he used these men to write these things down over hundreds of years of time. And it has been passed down to us even today. And, and, and yet... People just continue not to believe it. And it, that just floors me. I mean, th these are real people who lived and walked on this earth just like you and I do today. They they lived over 2,000 years ago. And, and and Luke has given us name after name after name and when, the time frame that they ruled. And, you know, we may choose uh, not to believe it, but it still doesn't change the fact that, that it is true. That these people were real. That they literally walked the face of this earth one, one day, including Jesus, God's Son, the Messiah. Um, and, and here's the deal. you know, we, we can go and possibly find the bones of all of these people except for Jesus. In fact, uh, I was reading uh, uh, the other day about an ossuary that was uh, that was found contained an old man's bones. It says in November of 1990, workers found an ornate limestone ossuary, 
while paving a road in the peace forest south of Abu Tor neighborhood of Jerusalem. This ossuary appeared authentic and contained human remains. An Aramaic inscription on the side was thought to read, Joseph, son of Caiaphas, and on the basis of these, the bones of an elderly man were considered to belong to the high priest Caiaphas, which is the one that Luke just uh, mentions here in chapter 3 in his gospel. Every body, and I mean literal body, that was once on this earth has either been buried or returned to the earth or will someday uh, do so except for one, and that was Jesus. Because his body was placed in a tomb, he came out alive three days after he died on the cross on, on, on you know, what we celebrate uh, as the Easter, uh, the death the burial and the resurrection the gospel jesus died on the cross on that friday morning he was placed in the tomb and on that sunday morning he walked out victorious the stone was rolled away the angels are sitting in there and mary's having a conversation with him and she didn't realize that she was even talking to angels she turns and there's jesus she doesn't know it's jesus but he's alive and that she thinks he's the gardener she's so tore up and she has a conversation with Jesus himself. And then when he calls her by her name, she realizes that it's Jesus. And he says, hey, you go tell everybody, my, my followers, that, that I'm alive. And then Jesus starts appearing to these people. But Jesus is the only person that has ever walked the face of this planet that has been killed, buried, and resurrected. Now, Enoch in the Old Testament walked off with God, and he never died. Elijah was caught in a, was in a chariot and was caught in a whirlwind and was caught up into heaven, but he never died. Jesus literally was killed. He literally died a physical death. They literally placed his dead body in a tomb and sealed it up with the stone and, and sealed that stone and then three days later Jesus literally came out of that tomb alive and he that 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 is the gospel the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that is the gospel that is what all of our hope stands on it rests on and there is no other religion in the world that has this a man who was God, who came, God put on flesh, lived an earthly life, never sinned one time, died for the sins that he never committed because he never sinned one time, but he paid the sin penalty. By his death, he became the once and for all sacrifice. And when he rose out of that tomb, victorious over death and hell, there's no other religion like it in the world. Any other religion, and I don't even like to say that Christianity is a religion, but people view it as a religion. But it's more of a relationship, a relationship with God. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one that Luke is talking about. But there is no other religion that has someone, God, who put on flesh, died for the sins of man, and was resurrected victorious over death and hell, and who we can be washed in his blood, be filled with his spirit, and live with him for eternity in heaven. Because any other religion is man's religion on this earth, 
and you can trace its roots back to man and their body is buried somewhere or it has rotted back into the ground from dust to dust as God says in the Old Testament that he has returned except for this the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus and Luke is giving us his gospel he's giving us fact after fact after fact after fact to prove that it really happened. And that's why he said back in chapter 1 that we, we covered in several podcasts ago. He said, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that had been fulfilled among us. They used eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. And having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so that you can be certain of the truth and everything you were taught. There is no doubt, friends, when we go through the book of Luke, and Luke has given us fact after fact, detail after detail after detail, and people, like I said, have gone back and, and tried to disprove Luke, and they couldn't do it. And matter of fact, they found that Luke was true to everything that he said. Everything that he said was accurate, and they became believers themselves. They to follow Jesus. And before we go to break, I'm just asking you to, to read the book of Luke. Read John. Read Acts. But in particular, read Luke because Luke gives all these detailed facts. He gives us names and when they ruled and, and where they ruled and, and how long they ruled and all, all these different facts. And facts are proven. And, and, and People have tried to disprove the Bible over and over again, and they can't do it. Just read it for yourself and ask God. God, if you're real, please show me. Show me in your word, and I promise you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, your eyes will be open, and you will see, hey, this stuff is for real. This guy is for real. He's the real deal, and I need to give my, my life to him. And I pray that you would do that, that you would give your life to Jesus Christ who conquered death and hell and the grave, who gives us hope. He is our hope because he came out of that tomb victorious. And when, you know, someday we're going to take our last breath and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to die. It's pointed on a man to die once and after this, the judgment. We're going to stand before God. I do not want to stand before God without the blood of Jesus. And I pray that you don't either because if you take a chances, you'll be, you'll be cast from his presence for eternity, never to have a second second chance so read the book of luke and and look at these facts and 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 let the holy spirit just guide you and be obedient to what he says and when we come back from break we're we're going to jump in uh, uh, even deeper into luke chapter three we'll be right back one of the greatest challenges in living for jesus and let's just face it it's sin our carnal nature likes to raise its ugly head every now and then, and so we'll do something crazy because something has caught our eyes, and we make a horrible decision, and, and then you know we just sin. Um, not if, but when is this going to happen? And when it does happen, what do we need to do? Well, we need to run to Jesus, we need to repent, and we need to ask for forgiveness. Much like David did when he sinned with Bathsheba, and, and he wrote Psalm 51. Uh, here's some highlights from Psalm 51 that David says to God. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. 
because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from guilt. Purify me from sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Purify me from my sins and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. Because that's what sin does. It robs us of our joy. David says, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Let's all be thankful for the blood of Jesus, for his grace and his mercy. So Luke gives us all these names of men who were ruling over these territories and places and people. And so and that's going to give us a time frame then for when John kicks off his ministry. And then Luke says in verse 2 and 3, he says, At this time a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. And so the first thing I want to point out is this. God is a God of timing. God is a God of timing. With God, nothing just happens by circumstance or happenstance. It, 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 it's perfect timing. In Ephesians 3, 9 through 11, Paul says this, I was chosen to explain to everyone this, this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church, the church, the called out ones, the ecclesia, that's you and me, the church who have been washing the blood of Jesus Christ, the God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was his, this was God's eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he is the head of the church. But Paul says that the church Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus having to be the sacrifice for our sins. It was God's eternal plan. He has known it ever since, well, forever. He has known it for eternity. The church was God's plan from the, the very beginning of time, as time as we know it, because God is not bound by time. But God knew that man would fall. He knew when, when he was packing that dirt together, that mud together, and he breathed life into that mud, and Adam became a man and became alive. And then he took a rib and created woman. He created Eve. God knew that they were going to blow it before, they, before uh, the devil ever deceived Eve into taking that fruit from the tree that God said, don't take from this tree, don't eat from it. And, and that's what sin is. Sin is 
being disobedient to the word or the will of God. So you can fill in the blank with whatever sin that is. For Eve, it was taking of that fruit and, and putting it to her mouth, taking a bite and swallowing it. And not only did she do that, but she also passed it to Adam and he ate of it. And then they were naked and then they, they went, their eyes were opened. They could understand and, and they were deceived by the devil. And so now, you know, they're ashamed and they go and hide because they, they try to make garments out of fig leaves. And, and, and God comes along and says, you know, where are you at? And, and you know, they call out to God. They're hiding. And, and, and so, you know, God says, how do you know that you've you done wrong? God knew. But he was trying to get them to admit that they have sinned, that they have went against what he said not to do. And they did it. And, and, and now they have tried to cover up their sin, their shame, with, uh, with the, the leaves from the fig trees. And so God comes along then and says, you, you can't cover up your sin yourself. It, do, it doesn't work that way. Let me take care of your covering for you. And the very first animal then is sacrificed right there in the garden. It is killed and God takes this sacrifice, this animal, and he takes the skins and he makes clothing or coverings for Adam and Eve. It was the very first sacrifice. And they have sacrificed hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of animals over the years. But those, the blood of those sacrifices could never forgive the sins. It could only cover them and they would they would have what they call the day of atonement once a year where the priests would go in and make atonement for the sins of israel the jews the hebrew people and and he would uh sacrifice the animal and sprinkle the blood upon uh, uh um on the altar on the in the in the holy place and then he would take uh an animal a goat and that's why we get the term scapegoat and he would put his hands on that goat and, and they would take that goat outside of the city and they would pronounce the sins of Israel on that goat and send the goat off into the wilderness. Uh, like I said, which is where we get the word scapegoat. But God knew that Adam and Eve would sin and he already had a plan in place to take care of man's sin and that is his very own son would have to die on a cross and, and, and be buried in a tomb for three days and come out resurrected, hence the gospel, Jesus would die on the cross and be our Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul says that Jesus was the final sacrifice for sin. And if we have to put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, for our sins to be forgiven. He, he, Paul explains it like this in Romans 5, 12 through 19. He says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, and it still does. Everybody dies, unless you're Enoch or Elijah. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned, and we still do. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. That's when the law was given. Even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol 
because Adam, you know, God gave the directions to Adam, not to Eve. He gave them to Adam, which is why Adam is held responsible for eating that fruit. Even though it was Eve that picked it, it was Eve that ate it, and it was Eve that passed it on to Adam. God gave the direction to Adam. Don't eat of this fruit of this certain tree. And they did. So, that's why he says, Paul says, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this, of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation to everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many, including us, became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. And that it was God's eternal plan. He knew Adam would blow it. And he had a son, his very own son. And God put on flesh and he lived on this earth. He started his ministry at about the age of 30. And, and three, three and a half years later, he would be crucified. He would be killed for doing nothing but good. He healed people. He set people free. He cast out demons. He opened blind eyes. He opened deaf ears. He brought the dead back to life. He called people out of tombs and they would come forth alive and have to take the grave clothes off of them. He healed lepers. He touched lepers. When other people shunned the lepers, he touched the lepers. He did nothing. He fed over 5,000 people, probably close to 10,000 people if you include men, uh, women, and children that were there that day with two fish and five loaves of bread. I mean, the, the, John says that he did so many things for people, good things, great things, awesome things. He said that there's probably enough, you couldn't write enough books that would tell all about the things that Jesus did, and yet he was crucified. For doing good. Why? Because he had to. He had to die and be the sacrifice. He had to pay the penalty for Adam's sin. That one sin. Because Adam ate that fruit. And it seems like it's something simple. It seems ridiculous in our eyes and in our mind that just because Adam ate a piece of fruit that Jesus would have to die a horrible death and, 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 and be put on a cross for six hours and hung on public humiliation outside the city gates and suffer 
at the worst beating. A lot of people would die just from the scourging that took place before Jesus went to the cross. I love that in the, in, uh, in the Passion of the Christ, the guy that plays Jesus does such a good job when he's taking that beating and he just st- stands back up like, you know, keep it coming. Keep it coming because I'm going to the cross. This ain't gonna. This ain't gonna kill me. I'm gonna stand back up, and and he does, and 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 Jesus, you know, goes out there carrying his own cross, has to have help, and then he he is nailed to the cross, hung on public display, trying to breathe, agonizing against that that wood, and his flesh has been ripped off his back, and and trying to press up against that wood and breathe was so painful, and yet he did all that out of love for you and for me. He knew that was God's purpose. It was his mission. Just like John the Baptist knew his place and that was to tell people about the the, the Messiah. And we're going to get into that in the next podcast, John the Baptist. Or it was in the last, in, in, in the last podcast, actually. But John knew his place. It was to point the way to Jesus, point people to Jesus. The Messiah is here. Jesus knew his his place. He knew his role, and it was to 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 die on the cross. And he fulfilled his role. He he fulfilled his purpose. And when he come out of that grave three days later, alive, he's holding the book of Revelation tells us in chapter one. He's holding the keys to death, hell, and grave, victorious. And he gives us hope because we're all headed in the same place. We're all gonna die, and we're all gonna our hearts gonna quit beating. We're gonna quit breathing. And, we're, and our last breath here on this earth is going to be our first breath somewhere in eternity. Where are you going to spend eternity? In hell with Satan, the devil? Who wants to do that? Or are you going to spend eternity in heaven with the one who paid our, my, your penalty for sin, who gave his life willingly on that cross so that we can be reconciled, so that we can be made friends again with God. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice that you made for me. And not only for me, but for you who are listening to this podcast, for anybody that's ever walked the face of this earth has the opportunity to have their sins forgiven. God bless you. I pray if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that before it is too late, before you take your last breath, before your heart beats for the last time, that you give your life to Jesus Christ and that you are baptized for the remission of your sins, that you have the hope that we have, those of us who have been washed in the blood of Jesus and filled with His Holy Spirit, and He is guiding us each and every day, and that we can go to bed at night or we can get up in the morning and we can live our daily lives in peace knowing where our soul is headed when we take our last breath on this earth, that we will be in heaven with our Savior, the one who paid the price. The, our, our sin debt has been canceled because of what Jesus did on the cross and coming out of that tomb victorious. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, find you somebody. Go to a local church and tell them you want to be saved today. And that you want to give your life to Christ. And you want to be baptized for the remission of your sins. It will be the greatest decision of your life. I absolutely promise you. God bless you. Keep grinding. 
Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.